by the power of Castle Hate School, I am Hellebark Harley. And you know what? We have an interesting one today. I am going to jump right in to calling up the founder of Oak and Stone Clothing. Um, he's a guy who obviously have a business relationship promoting the, the clothes that I'm wearing right now on the show. But, you know, we've been talking the last few weeks and he dropped, like, he's in uh, Sarasota, Florida. So... The reason I wanted to call him up is as I got more details about what he'd experienced during this hurricane, I think it was an important lesson for me that sometimes it's good to tune out news and, you know, not have that negativity affect your brain. But sometimes you can do that to a point where you forget that there are individuals experiencing extreme hardships and... For me, um, you know, I just, until he told me the details of some of the things that he was going through and the business was going through and the people in general that he's not even portraying himself as a victim, he's going to look a lot of people out a lot worse, but I thought it was going to be a good idea uh, to check in with him and just let him tell you a little bit about that in your own words because I want to, you know, use the platforms that we have here at Thick Boy and on my Instagram and, uh, and whatnot to see if we can just give back a little bit or do something for a guy who has been an amazing person to me, uh, an amazing family man, running a business, having a full-time job outside of that, and also who's now currently volunteering a lot of his time to, um, you know, the relief effort in his community and outside. So let's see if we can get him on the phone right now. Hey, brother. How's it going? Hey, it's good. It's going good. Um, I was just giving a little bit of an intro into the situation here and just basically saying that, you know, it's easy to tune out negative news. And sometimes I don't think that's a terrible idea, especially when it comes to like national politics. But, um, you know, when it comes to disasters and and these uh, occurrences I just thought it was really insightful talking to you and, and to wrap my mind around like the specifics of what you're going through um, in order, you know, to, to mobilize people to help. So with that being said, what has this hurricane been like for you? What has the aftermath of the hurricane been like? And and maybe you could also tell like what, what was it like during it? Because you mentioned a little bit about that in our last sure, conversation. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know this about me, Mark. I'm a, I'm a Florida boy. Uh, so I've, I've definitely been through my fair share of hurricanes, but uh, this one was unique in the sense that it was a slow-moving storm. Uh, it was very large, and it brought a lot of water and a lot of wind. Um, so the storm itself, it kind of took about 12 hours uh, to, to pass through. Um, normally, they're a lot quicker than that, um, and it and affected such a large area. And uh, where, where we're located, where ONS is located, it, it, we were actually really blessed. We, we didn't get the worst of the storm. Um, but about 30, 45 minutes south of us, I mean, it's just, it was just complete devastation. Um, and, um, you know, it's just the, the storm itself, you know, you, you, you kind of just sitting there waiting for it to be over. You lo- you lose power and you're just, you hear the noise. You don't really have cell service and you, you're just kind of sitting there wondering like, what the hell is going on? Like, when is this going to be over? Um, but the beauty is, uh, even through all the devastation and, and, and the turmoil, um, it's been uh, amazing to see the best of humanity come out. 
Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, the next day, I mean, like right after the storm hit, uh, you just saw this caravan of people coming down with trucks and trailers and supplies and not just like government officials, but everyday citizens coming from Texas, from up north. You know, these guys just came and they're just like, we're just here to help. Um, you know, the, the, the devastation, I can't understate the, dev- the devastation. I mean, I mean, we're seeing a lot of people have lost their lives, have lost their homes um, because we weren't as affected in Sarasota uh, as bad as uh our our southern um communities um you know they're busing people up here and um just stay in shelters because they've literally lost everything yeah and uh, and you said you home. saw kids like on the street who yeah uh, need to be yeah, reconnected with their parents or don't know where the parents are yeah, yeah that's the worst part is just you know you see these misplaced kids and they're getting picked up by fema um, you know, trying to connect them back with their parents. And, you know, you just, you don't know the whole story. So you're just sitting there, what, like hoping, like, I hope their parents are still alive. Yeah. Um, you know, and unfortunately you're seeing, you know, people getting, you know, dead bodies being pulled out of rivers and, and, um, and canals. And it, it's just, a, it's a, it's a bad situation. Um, but you know, where the community is just really rallied together and just, they, it, and it feels like, it feels like almost the exact opposite of the pandemic. I think I told you that. Yeah, when, yeah. When we talked earlier. I like, thought that was an interesting observation. Know, yeah, the pandemic, you know, even though we had the tagline, we're all in this together, it didn't feel like it. <laughs> um, right. You, you know, you were scared of every person that you interact with, uh, interacted with. And, and, you know, this is what, you know, we we hoped for in any sort of trauma and any sort of tragedy is people coming together. If you have things that you need, and you're you're safe and you're and you're good you know the people that are in that position they're doing everything they can to help you know it whether it be just helping their neighbor uh clean up debris um help repairing you know holes in their roof you know a, a buddy of mine he um a, a tree just fell through his roof uh and there's just a massive hole in the ceiling so people seeing people come together and and help him tarp it and help him clean up you know it's um like I said, in the worst of tragedy, man, the best of humanity can come out, and it's it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, but the, the biggest needs, honestly, um, has been just, um, like, obviously fuel has been an issue, but they seem to be getting as much fuel as they can because people are obviously running generators uh, to power. Uh, our, our offices um, just received power a couple of days ago, thing, you know, that, which was good. You know, yeah. that was uh, that was hindering us from really doing anything. And, we, and thankfully, we didn't have any damage to our building or inventory or or and everybody at home base is safe. Um, but the biggest needs, honestly, is just helping with rebuilding um, there. There is um, a fund, uh, I believe it's Florida Recovery Fund uh-huh. um, that is that is helping um, people just get back on their feet, get in the necessities that they need. Just I mean, you, I mean, just imagine the things that you would need if you completely lost everything, you know, so they're, they're, they're needing clothing, they're needing uh, toothpaste, toothbrushes. So all these, there's a lot of organizations that have come together to, to help provide the essentials to people that have lost everything. Yeah. Okay. And so that's the Florida Recovery Fund. Um, I think we could probably end on that call to action. And, um, you know, I was just gonna say, as you as you said, you see the best in humanity come out, and uh, and hopefully, 
that translates to other people watching this. If you have any money or anything you can spare, even if it's just spare clothing, you know, I'm sure they'd appreciate that as well. And I'm sure there's lots of instructions on that site. But, um, you know, I, my heart goes out to you. I'm sure everybody listening or watching this, uh, their hearts go out to you as well. And I just wanted to initiate this conversation while we could, even though I feel like, you know, we're going to keep talking about it and, and keep giving people more specific reminders of how they can help. And just, you know, I hope you go support that and, um, you know, and also support Oak and Stone as a member of, you know, a business in that community, um, you know, because you're, you're a part of the community that's been affected. So um, with that, Ricardo, I think we'll be talking uh, soon, probably over the weekend, and, uh, and we'll keep reminding people what to do. Mark, I, I really appreciate you and uh, everybody at Thick Boy. I mean, you guys have been amazing through this whole process, checking in and, and just working with us. So I, I really appreciate you guys. Yeah, we appreciate you a lot, too. And uh, we'll talk soon, okay? All right, talk soon, Mark. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. <clears throat> you know... Uh, I realize some of you may have, some, some listeners and viewers may have tuned out already, but it was important to me to get that message out because, again, tragedies like this sometimes, you know, you can't always take on that level of empathy to think about all the people suffering in the world at once. But, you know, it does, if you're part of this community and you watch a show and you know my connection to Oak and Stone, um, that was important to me. It humanizes it enough where I go, yes, I really feel like I have to do something, I should do something, that's what's right, and I'm, I'm asking you if you're able to, to join me in attempting to aid in any way possible to that recovery effort. Now, moving on to something much lighter, hella confusing ass injuries, a new segment here. <laughs> if I told you guys um, about this bicep injury that I've had, I forget of how much I've talked about it, but it's like, because of my shoulder issues, um, there was this like like a few months ago, six months, seven months, eight months, I don't know, when I was in Arizona working out with Chappelle, that's my memory of it. What happened was I'm doing like a heavy row and I see like part of the muscle seemingly is like popping out of my bicep, like a little, you know, a bump or like a little like alien kind of thing going boop when I'm contracting it. It looked very odd, but also it's not painful, so you're going what is going on here? Because I have no idea, right? Normally an injury like that should cause extreme pain, but it didn't. And the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, this must be a fascia tear, right? And the fascia is the lining of your muscle. Um, it sort of keeps your muscle in place and in shape, you know, and part of, for example, DC training and the extreme stretching protocol that's a part of it is to stretch the fascia lining and deep tissue massage in theory um, could potentially loosen that up because that's, you know, the primary impediment like as a bodybuilder um, to getting the most massive muscles that you can is simply this hard lining of your muscle that's a very um, strong fibrous lining that keeps everything in shape. So I don't know if you can see this, right? Maybe I should take my <laughs> my arm out so you guys can is that can you see it <laughs> can you see the monitor right so when I go like that there we go right so it's like that's at rest like this should hurt right and it's kind of revealed itself to be this because at first it was 
just swelling and uh, you couldn't really tell what was going on. My whole arm filled up with fluid and this had happened a number of times, but it's kind of settled on this, this thing that's left there that it's essentially like a hernia within my muscle. It's like a muscle shooting through this hole in the lining of my fascia. So I've been corresponding with my buddy, Dr. Austin Chase in Canada, who I'm going to see for the first time in a few weeks. Uh, we've been mainly online buddies, but he helped me out with my shoulder issues, et cetera. And, uh, and he's saying, you know, he could potentially like move it back into place. I don't know if that's possible. He hasn't gone quite into detail about that, but it was like, you know, he used some medical term that I wasn't familiar with, as but I knew he meant to like realign it or put it back into place. And otherwise, I guess it would be a surgery. Now, the reason I bring this up, because who gives a shit? It's not even painful. It's whatever. It's essentially a minor inconvenience. It made me think about how back when I was in college, I had a buddy who got a... Um, an injury to his clavicle and uh, specifically like where it, you know, your clavicle bone connects to your shoulder up here. So like it almost like detached and it stuck out a little bit. And I remember thinking how he didn't seem bothered by it. But like if I had that injury, it would bother me a lot because it like it looks sort of grotesque, you know, it's like this part, if you follow your clavicle all the way up here, it's like, Imagine where that inserts and then like raise that by two inches. It sort of makes other people uncomfortable looking at it, as I'm sure my bicep makes other people uncomfortable looking at it as it is now. Um, it makes me think about how like we deal with, it's like a little adversity, right? It's a little something that you're dealing with and you go, this isn't ideal, but it also doesn't define me. And that's an analogy for anything you don't like about yourself, right? People don't like their nose, they don't like their hair, they don't like their teeth, they don't like their body. Um, and I think you have one of two options. You can either focus on it, <laughs> and it's easy to focus on it. I'm not saying I haven't mastered, like I'm still touching this all the time and kind of trying to push it back in and stuff like that. But life goes on, right? And I think I'm just grateful that I'm in a position to be like, man, life goes on. I'm not a competitive bodybuilder where this is going to ruin my, you know, stage aesthetic or something like that ultimately it's a reminder to me that yeah these little things happen and it's a knock to your vanity or your sense of symmetry but anything like this um you know that's essentially you might look at somebody else and go like oh man that would suck to have that but then when it's on you um you know any scar or a symmetry or thing that you don't like do more stuff that makes you th think about other things and the busier you are and uh you know for me it's like even just exercising not having time to sit around and feel sorry for yourself even something as stupid as this because obviously yes people are suffering from hurricane damage in the world and that's why i wanted to contrast it with that segment um because it's something that I can compartmentalize and put away and know that I'll deal with it at some point, but I'm almost like I'm surprised at, you know, how I'm kind of going around and I'm, I have a lack of self-consciousness about it, I guess, maybe at another time. I wouldn't have. I'd look at it and go, oh my God, I need to chop my entire arm off right now. Soon, I may have to do that, but just not right now. A lot of people have been asking me, Mark, somebody did actually ask me today. <laughs> They said, yo, what are the strains of Kratom that you use? Um, like, do a deep dive on this. 
honestly, I don't think about the strains that I use that much. What I have here is the Kratom Energy Shot that I use. It just says full spectrum extract. I don't know. I like the taste. I like the serving. One time I took two of these in a row. I'm like, oh, one feels good. Two be great. I wasn't Classic ready for Mark Harley. Classic, you know, but you have to experiment with stuff like that to know like uh, that was a little too much for me. I am somebody who believes in the minimum effective dose. And uh, in this case, one works for me. You know, if you build up a tolerance over time, you know, if you want more, do one and a half, do two. But it's kind of like nicotine. Casey, do you smoke at all? Use any sort of nicotine? Yeah. Okay. So you know that. Look, yeah. One cigarette might be good. Two in a row or whatever, you know, if you're sensitive to it, it can make you ill. So am I saying this is going to make you ill? No, but I'm saying this is the perfect dose. I'm a large man, and this is great for me. Oh, that was great audio. Go, 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 go. And it tastes good. And so that's, this is what I use. Since you guys are all curious about it, happyhippoherbals.com. Use promo code THICKBOY with three C's at checkout for 20% off. Thank you. As you guys heard from Ricardo with Oak and Stone, the whole community down there is going through a difficult time. He now has access to his uh, warehouse and everything's fine. Luckily, the inventory wasn't damaged. But, you know, that's, I would consider it one of the ways you can contribute to this community and this um, individual, again, who I think is a great guy. He's a great family man. And he's really trying to do good in this world and use his time, energy, and resources to help rebuild the community. So support him by going to oakandstoneclothing.com using promo code HELLO for 10% off. Check out, get something like this, and you'll be looking fly and also kind of like helping do good in the world. So juntos, me gusta. Okay, let's get into some hella fitness drama. I thought it was funny that... uh, Caleb Von Moger. Did I say it right? I think I did. He's in trial in Australia right now for this road rage incident where I guess he got out of the car and like chased somebody down with a machete. And his lawyer's defense I thought was really funny um, on his behalf. He was saying that due to trauma that he endured while living in Los Angeles because of the crime and carjackings in Los Angeles, and I don't think he had even experienced one on his own, but he's using that, his experience in Los Angeles and the crime-ridden streets of whatever nice neighborhood he was staying in, uh, that had caused him to go berserk in Australia against some stranger on the street who cut him off or whatever. I guess this is normal that people construct these elaborate, you know, BS like, oh, I've gone crazy, uh, temporary insanity, whatever. But it was just hilarious to me that he's using, like, actually, you know, my experience in Los Angeles and, and the notion that carjackings existed uh, as, as your defense for almost murdering somebody in the streets of Sydney, Australia. Cool. And also they always bring up this, like, he takes testosterone also because his body doesn't naturally produce it. They also have to go down to the rabbit hole of, like, well, the only reason that he takes testosterone, it's like, obviously he takes more than TRT. Uh, the guy is juiced to the gills. And I'm not mad at it. He looks great. He's a competitive bodybuilder. He played Arnold in um, that Joe Weider documentary and crushed it. But, like, he's not just on testosterone because his body doesn't naturally produce it. He made the decision to take all sorts of steroids and then also mix that with recreational substances such as meth and cocaine. And as you might be able to predict – the outcome of mixing meth, 
Coke and anabolic steroids isn't good. It's not going to lead to you uh, being more calm if you have any mental issues to begin with, especially. So <laughs> stuff like this always just grinds my, you know, it really grinds my gears. It grinds my gears because it's putting out this notion, right, that a TRT dose of testosterone that you can get prescribed by your doctor is going to make you freak the fuck out on people in the middle of the street. That's just not true. And there's so many millions of people in the world right now taking either TRT or a generous TRT, sports TRT, which I would consider like 250 milligrams or more, or straight up anabolic steroids, who never act out of line, who never have anger issues, who never beat anybody up or hop out of a car and chase somebody down with a machete. So this notion that there's even, you know, correlation, let alone causation, that's still in the minority. And, you know, many people do crazy things like this every day without those hormones. So I just think it's up to you as an individual to take responsibility and not make the choice to do that and work on your own emotional maturity. Because anytime I look at somebody, and I think Jordan Peterson made this point of like, you know, think of a baby throwing a tantrum or not even a baby, like a toddler, right? Where you can actually like throw yourself on the ground and have a fit and get really angry and be emotional to the point of being out of control. Now imagine an adult doing that. And what you have is somebody like Caleb freaking out on a stranger with a machete, right? It's very scary. But I still see that as the result of a lack of emotional maturity, a lack of willingness to work on yourself. And clearly the guy's taking zero responsibility in his court defense. I mean, maybe, you, I don't know if it's beneficial to come out and just say like, yeah, I did it. Like I went down a dark path and I was on drugs and like I'm, the answer to that is I'm working on rehab, so you should reduce my sentence. Instead, he's taking this approach of like, wasn't my fault. Like, I was crazy. And, uh, you know, carjackers in Los Angeles that I may have never even run into are the cause of this erratic, dangerous behavior. So the lesson to me there is just like, dude, own your shit. Stop chasing people down with a machete in the middle of the, whatever the Sydney freeway is. <laughs> Do you know what it is? I the, can look it up. You know, you know what it's called? You know what the major freeway in Sydney's called? The four, the the 405. Oh no. I was going down the 101 in the 405. And he's going, I just want to go home. That's what the other guy said. I just want to go home. And he's chasing me down with a bloody machete. Okay. Liver King recap here. I just wanted to touch base because yes, yes, the Liver King was on my show for a absolutely full sit-down interview. <laughs> Do I feel bad about clickbaiting you? No, because I was so excited about just the fact that he um, came in and gave us that uh, that minute of his time, you know, because this is a guy, you know, I'll start from the beginning. If you're watching that episode, I shot the first part, and then we went into the second part where the Liver King, like, I didn't know if the Liver King was going to be giving us his time or not, so I had to shoot the episode. Like, hopefully that episode started out with him doing something with me, but I don't know. Either way, it's cool, but, like, you know, you were talking to uh, Mark, who didn't know the future that was being presented as the past, and it was, like, this whole crazy timeline thing going on. 
uh, like Interstellar. It was just absolutely. It was a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, I was going to say that episode was directed by Christopher. Nolan. Yeah, that episode was directed by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Let's change the credits. Okay. Because um, we can do it now we and act it now. like it was always there. Yeah. Because in the fifth dimension, you see that. Um, but my recap. Do you believe on him, in time travel? What's that? Do you believe in time travel? I do. What? Yes. Do you? I don't know, man. I've been thinking a lot about it lately. <laughs> okay. This, this, this episode took a hard departure, <laughs> I but like I'm, it. I'm gonna. We're gonna go there. Let's go there. Okay. So, so you say you do. Yes. Well, tell us about it. Okay. Um, essentially, ever since I read the book "The Elegant Universe" by John Green, yes, I'm a genius. Let it go. Damn. No, this is this was sent to me by a friend of mine who was a physics major, and she knew that I had like. Physics in high school, honors physics was probably my favorite class, right? Um, I was a selectively good student, but physics was, I just love the problem solving element. And like, I was like, you know, I just should have, I always felt like oh, I should have done more with it. Now, of course, as you get to upper level physics in college, like the math and the strength, it's like, unless you're doing something in the sciences. And these are two people who like, they did hardcore math. And so I'm thinking of a guy and a girl who got married, but the girl, Izzy Smith, like went on to be an academic physicist, right? So she sent me this book and it was one of these things that I used to like, you know, read during cardio. And I remember it was like the last book that I'm like, this like blew my mind. You know, Malcolm Gladwell books are cool, but like read The Elegant Universe. And he basically breaks down, well, he starts off by setting you up uh, to understand string theory. Because if you don't understand the principles of general relativity as outlined by Einstein, um, you know, as a revolution from Isaac Newton's way of thinking, which I guess, you know, and I don't even, like I'm not saying I'm gonna articulate this perfectly, but like to me, when I think of Newton, it's like he came up with the principles of like, this is how gravity affects you on earth right but you need to understand like the space time continuum for example in order to see how mass warps the ta the time space continuum right and so gravity is a static thing like in a you know when you're however fucking far away from the earth's core which doesn't really you know we're not getting these huge differences but then you go out in space whatever so einstein expanded upon that but then um and it kind of like goes to these He's like, Einstein, this, this is what happens when you go to these great distances and these huge masses and all this stuff. But like, what about on the tiniest, 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 you know, um, distances, a Planck length, under a Planck length is what they call it. Things start to behave really weird. And that's where you get into this, like, because there's no explanation of quantum mechanics, right? Do you know about quantum mechanics or not? Do I know and, about <laughs> quantum mechanics? Well, I like, like, but also this is one of these things where people go like, anybody saying they know a lot about quantum mechanics right, doesn't yeah, know anything yeah, about quantum yeah. mechanics. Like, you know, even if you're an academic, but it's basically the bizarre things that start to happen when you get under a certain subatomic, uh, you know, size. Things behave very much like a Christopher Nolan movie. The analogies that he would use is like, imagine flying to Hawaii on a plane and you you fuel up for that trip upon arrival. You know what I mean? Like the whoa. <laughs> Please include Casey's face because when Casey hits you with one of these, you know you got a, z a doozy on your hand, right? Um, but it's almost, you know, like it's it's sort of analogy to like time travel or it's like it's like energy travel. You know what I mean? It's so like, you think you could travel back in time? Yeah, and that's all leading to, in this book, I, he broke down the notion of how 
space and time can be distorted or like, you know, and they use this principle actually in Interstellar because they go like when they're close to the black hole, gravity warps time, right? And also speed warps time. So right now we are traveling through time at the fastest rate possible. It's like we're traveling through time at the speed of light. If we travel to, and that's a vector, right? So like imagine you're like watching a car go in this vector at 100 miles an hour. If it came straight at the camera or straight this way, you can't like measure the the speed as much. It just looks like it's coming at you or away from you, right? It's almost, you could see it slightly getting bigger, but like the fourth dimension of time is just another vector. If we're standing still in one vector, we're traveling through time maximally. If we travel through this vector, because right, right, right now we're going zero, if you approach the speed of light, then time slows down. But if you approach a black hole, that's like the densest thing in the universe, time every second, you know, it time slows down completely. And, but your experience of it, like somebody else would be like, oh, that's a year. And you're just like, no, that was a second. So that kind of shit, I'm like, oh my God, this is like verifiable. You know what I mean? And you could even do a small scale experiments if you were out like just further away from earth. You know, if you spent a year up there and you had a clock on, you'd be like, oh, our, our clocks don't quite match up because of the discrepancy in gravity. Because of that, I go, oh, you can essentially time travel going one way, right? Like you could essentially, like you could freeze, you could, you could travel to the future by traveling at the speed of light or beyond. I don't know if it's possible, whatever, but like it showed me how you would just be the same age going at the speed of light. You get back and be like, oh, I've traveled 70 years in the future without aging myself. And I think everything else is like, there was like, you know, you go to fucking in a plane, like that's almost a form of time travel, you know what I mean? Because we're just like, we used to measure it and oh, it took you like, you know, 30 days to get from here to here and you'd age 30 days. Well, I can travel 30 days without aging 30 days. And I, because of that, I'm like, imagine, you know, a hundred thousand years in the future. We haven't developed technology that could warp that in the opposite direction. Until proven otherwise, I would assume like the most advanced technology that humanity w could ever achieve is capable. Final answer. <laughs> now, what do you think, AC? I, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about it. I don't understand yeah. any of it. It makes me feel dumb. But like um, Homeboy, who's Homeboy? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the only person that anybody knows with regards, but why not? You know, at least it's somebody, right? Because that yeah. could be nobody. You could yeah. be like, name the physicist, and people be yeah. like, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, I've been watch watching him try uh, try and kind of explain it. Um, yeah. What does he say? Like, what does he say about the it? There's paradigm of like you can't go back in time and uh, like prevent your parents from meeting, thus preventing you from existing, because yeah. then you wouldn't exist to go back and do it. Yeah. Right? And see, those are like philosophical questions almost to me. The the and I, I answered it like technologically, could we could we like bend space time? I think that I'm unclear like so when people say like, you know, is it like back to the future? Right, like right. I don't fucking know. Right. But like that's debatable. And he was what was he saying about that? What was he saying about that? Oh, he was like <laughs> basically kind of yeah. echoing what you're saying, like yeah. The math checks out that it's yeah. possible. Yeah. The application of it doesn't exist. Yeah. Kind of basic. That's the very dumb, very. Yeah.
but yeah, that's my interpretation. Because again, I don't have to look. I'm sure I could read the Elegant Universe a number of. It's actually it's written. If you guys want to check this out, you know, um, it's written for not for not a physicist, and that's why this girl sent it to me. She's like, hey, you're sort of a hobbyist in this one particular field. It's written so that if you have any sort of you know, if you took high school physics or not. Um, I think it would still be accessible. It's just like a lot of reading to get to the point where they're like, and look how crazy string theory is. And string theory may or may not be right, but it's like one possible explanation of like the principles of quantum mechanics, which are very confusing. And, but if you extend even the notion of quantum mechanics, like quantum mechanics is time travel because it's like, like you get energy after arriving someplace for, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that bends the principle mm -hmm. of time because it bends the principle of causation. One thing that I remember thinking about after reading this book was like the big bang theory, there need not be a big, people go, here's the, the, the religious argument. Well, what came before the big bang or even a philosophical argument really? There is no before the big bang because if, Time sort of slows down, you know, in a black hole, imagine, right? It's the densest thing in the universe. The Big Bang would emerge from essentially everything in the universe being a black hole. You know, because time and space are intertwined, there is no before. It's just nothing. There is no time either. So we're not measuring beforehand. So it's like time emerges with the explosion of that Big Bang. The universe is expanding still. Will there come a point where it starts to retract? Could we be in an infinite series of expansions and retractions? That like we, uh, right? But it just sort of follows mathematically that you're like, no, there's you, you can't think of things before and after or even in any sort of standard unit of time across the universe. It's really, to this day, probably the most interesting book I've ever read. Like, And I, I was saying I could probably read it 10 times in a row and still find like new things that kind of like – because some of the stuff you're reading, you're like, I can't even stop to like think about that right now, you know, mm -hmm. but just there's also just some basic principles of like, if you're passing somebody train, you can't tell what, what velocity they're at, you know, and this is another Neil deGrasse Tyson thing where he's like, you feel acceleration. People go, I have a need for speed. Somebody's saying this. And he goes, no, you have a need for acceleration because you can't feel speed. We're, we're, we're going really fast right now through the universe, Right. And you know how the universe travels, by the way? We think of like, mm, I'm spinning around the solar system. It's like this. Because like we're part of this whole thing. Like the sun is traveling also. The sun is orbiting something else. So depending on your fixed point of view. Yes, we're nerding about, out about physics today. It's okay. Um, I might even, might even read that book again because it's just so good. And there's always something, I don't know, like... But and that's really cool too. That like we can go on YouTube and be like, "That's your entree into this." I don't always need like an entire book. Like blow my mind in five minutes. Neil deGrasse Tyson can do that, and um, why not? Why not have him be a physics superstar? Okay, I was gonna do another book. Maybe I'll get back to it. I've been also reading Blitzed, which is about like methamphetamine use and the the World War II, which I thought was fascinating because we all kind of know, like, yes, the German soldiers used meth, right? But it's actually way more interesting than that to see how like it had permeated the culture prior to that, you know, and they were selling it like Pez to the entire community. Um, but I wanted to go into Supful, my workout with Angelina Moldonado. So this girl, she's uh, she's somebody who, if you follow Brad or Zoo Culture or anybody, she's um, 
you know, a, a fitness influencer. Now, I just want to give her credit because we've been talking, like I'll see her, her around. She's friends with Isaiah and Noel. So like, you know, I've just seen her around. We, we all got our nails done one time, uh, got pedicures, and I thought that was funny. And a couple things impress upon me and that we talked about today, like, because she'll go, oh, yeah, people kind of like tell me they assume I'm going to be a bitch or whatever. And I guess that's true. I, I've known her for a little bit now. I know that she's a very nice person. But like one of these girls that maybe you look at her face and just think that she's, you know, the resting bitch face, right? Um, it's hard to kind of see now maybe. But like, you know, she gets that a lot. But I've experienced her as nothing but really sweet and thoughtful in person. We'd been kind of like, you know, like you say, like, oh, work out with you sometime. I'll work out with you sometime. Um, but I was at Zoo Culture this morning, and we'd been talking, oh, yeah, let's go, like, work out at Zoo sometime. I, like, not even, it's always, like, loose, like, you know, what are we going to do? Hit chest, whatever. I was waiting for Brendan. He was busy doing some stuff. Like, sometimes we'll say, like, okay, meet up at 9. And then because you're putting out fires with your multiple businesses or whatever, or situations, like, you know, that ends up getting pushed back. So I noticed Angelina was there. And she was about to do a workout. I said, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going to do the circuit of, uh, you know, we started off doing, or she was going to start off doing squats, then box jumps, then um, leg raises. So she was like, basically, full body circuit. I'm like, I'm down with that. That's a workout style that I've used before to great benefit. I really like working out like that. I think it's a great way to fit in cardio. And get some hypertrophy training in there. Maybe not maximize your hypertrophy training, but like you're going to be exhausted. And so during the course of that workout, I saw something that I think separates her from both men and women that I often work out with. She embraces intensity. We did four rounds of 15 rep squats. So I was using 225. I think she went from like 95 to like you know, 115 to 135, um, which, you know, for, it's probably around her weight. Um, you know, it was relatively intense and 15 reps of anything on squat is intense. Then I think she was doing 10 to 15 box jumps at a pretty, you know, on a pretty high platform, like at least, uh, you know, waist high. And then, uh, like 10 to 15 reps of, the hanging knee raises, which she has impeccable form on. Four rounds of that, and then Brennan showed up, but she was, so we did our deadlift workout, but she was still going to go with, like, using the same weight for lunges and uh, kettlebell, like, Romanian deadlifts into pull-ups, like, four more rounds of that. And I was like, goddamn, you don't see a lot of people working out like that outside of a CrossFit context. And I go, okay, so where'd you pick this up? Like, what what program do you follow? And she's like, I've always done my programming myself. And I'm like, there we go. Booyakasha. That's dope because that's how I feel. Like, I don't really like following other people's programs. I get inspired by them. But ultimately, it's like one of the only things in my life where I can have complete control over. So even working out with other people, I kind of like to, as I always say, I think you need to learn how to work out with yourself first. Don't always be reliant on a gym partner. And also, don't be reliant on a workout program. Figure out what you like and what works for you and experiment with your own intensity because sometimes people get caught in this thing of like, oh, three sets of 10 or five sets of five. And it's like, or go in and do 20 sets of bench press. See how you like it. That could be your entire chest workout. There's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes 
when you're negotiating with somebody else, it's always like, it can be a hindrance. Like, what do you want to do? Well, go in and experience. It's hard to experiment when you have to negotiate with somebody because you can't just go on your whim and be like, today I'm only going to do, you know, a bunch of heavy squats or do a circuit style training. And that's kind of how I developed it. And also, you know, how I initially met Chappelle was he would come work out with me and he would allow me to do stuff like that. And he wouldn't be like, no, I don't feel like doing that. Cause the moment somebody does that, it's like, Oh my God, fuck off. Um, but Chappelle was really great about, you know, just listening to my ideas for like, all right, we've got this circuit. We're going to do like the landmine. We're going to do presses into rows, into RDLs, into lunges, into like whatever the fuck this ab thing is. Um, and he'd be down. Right. And so I'm like, okay, we can work out because you're not interfering with my experimentation process. I was impressed with Angelina because she has an amazing physique. She has really well-developed legs. She has a really well-developed upper body and she's very lean. You don't see physiques like this a lot. I think anywhere you don't see it at zoo. And there's like some really, you know, girls in great shape at zoo. Right. And maybe you're just born like that. And, you know, maybe you have like really prominent abs or whatever. Like, you know, when I look at her body, you assume she works hard, but maybe not. You know, maybe you don't work out that hard, but you kind of have good genetics and just don't eat anything. But like this girl, I think, has a physique that a lot of women would want to emulate. And she has a lot of muscle on her upper body. How she gets that, I discovered today, is she works her ass off. She puts herself, by coming up with these workout ideas, through her own extremely difficult workouts. And I have nothing but admiration for that. And I also found out today that she played high school football. She was a kicker. And she kind of glossed over it. I'm like, so what's your athletic background? Like, did you do, you know swimming or gymnastics or you know like because usually people who are in their early 20s were very muscular I have some sort of athletic background she's like I did some track and then I played football and I'm like wait 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 wait. (laughs) she's glossing over it like oh yeah no big deal uh but she she was the kicker but she's still like she participated in like eight on eight in the off season and stuff and you know she was lifting with the boys since she was like 14 years old and I'm like that makes sense checks out and I just think that's dope and I want to give people attention like that because you're going to look at her page and focus on her looks rightfully so but just know that in person this girl works her ass off and it's no mistake that she looks the way she does and so I asked her to come on the podcast sometimes she's like oh my god who me like I'm not even that interesting I'm like yes you are yes queen um hopefully we get her on because I do think she has an interesting story and an interesting perspective, even from, uh, you know, for the fact that she's 23. What else we got next? This is why we can't have nice times. Sure, why not? I think I was talking about the liver king before I got totally distracted. <laughs> We're going to come back to it, though. We're going to take a nice little segue into uh, <laughs> this guy's look. He's, like, pulling, you know, she's doing the thing where the girls, you know, like, they... Girls love pulling things between their legs, whether that's, you know, for the the shoulder raises like this or... Oh, he's trying to smell it. Yeah, I bet you see this guy. I see what he's doing. He's smelling your vajayjay, I think is what's going on, guys. And I'm all about that, dude. It's like, if you're going to go to a public gym and rub that cable on your vagina, well, guys are going to try to smell it, aren't they? (laughs) The fuck? This one, dude, look how quickly this escalates. This girl comes in here... But like just shoulder bumps that girl. Like she might as well tackle her out of the way. 
And the speed with which they jump to like a Greco-Roman hair pulling contest is quite incredible. Did I just make that phrase up, Greco-Roman hair pulling contest? Yes. But what I mean is they're locking their upper bodies up like a Greco-Roman style wrestling match, except they're also pulling on each other's hair. And I just love to see this kind of territorial competition between women in a gym environment. It tells me that they're devoted. They're into it. Like, no, you're not going to take my fucking Smith machine, dude. I'm trying to get my fat ass in shape. Yes, I look like a refrigerator right now. But six months from now, maybe not so much, okay? I'm trying to change that SpongeBob physique for something that looks more like Angelina Maldonado, okay? Now, <laughs> what do we got next? <laughs> Me dealing with any minor inconvenience after missing the gym that day, you know, and I watch this on a day where like I hadn't worked out yet. And I'm like, I relate to this, dude. Everything's going to make me snap. And I swear to God, this is to this day one of the reasons that I go to the gym because I know I'm just more prone to treating people poorly or making rash decisions out of anger or frustration um, than I would be if I went to the gym that day. It sets the tone. I'll repeat this always, but like when people tell me, oh, I have anger issues, it's like, yeah, go run 10 miles. Go do a heavy deadlift workout. See how mad you are after that. You're, it's just, you don't have the energy. Your body doesn't have the ability to like physiologically respond with anger at a certain point of exhaustion. You know what I mean? Like work out till you pass out. Your body can't like even trigger the emotion. You know what I mean? Do you agree or not? Yeah, totally. Yeah, like like you, you, because when you think about it, it's like your heart rate has to rise and you have to like, and anger is like a motivation to do something. Yeah, it reminds me of like in Fight Club, like once they started fighting, like everything else, the volume got turned down. Correct. Yeah. I, like, I, I think the quote was like the ability to let, to let that which does not matter truly slide. And they're like on the bus and like somebody bumps into them and they're like, I don't care. Right. I'm, yeah. Like, just And that's another reason you see guys night. where you're like, it's never the guy who's like hyper vigilant trying to fight you in the bar who's the guy you have to worry about. It's the guy who's like, yeah, that's cool. But like, if you keep going, you know, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> this, this got me. This sent me, as the kids say. Bro, you wouldn't believe it, but we only have two more legs days till Christmas. It's October, guys. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. We're talking a one leg day every six weeks, but you know. I guess that's the kind of math we're dealing with here at the Bro Science Academy. When the gym is empty and you can finally get a real workout at Okay, let's see what his real work. Oh, my God. He's doing the booty pumps. He's doing the side shuffle. <laughs> he's doing the hit machine. He's doing the bad girls. All that stuff. Love it. And that's what guys do, you know. When the cat's away, the mice will play. How long are we going? Oh, my goodness gracious. Should I do a little recap of um, – the Liver King next week? Yes. You know what? Let's tune in next week. And I'm just going to give my in-depth thoughts on it. I'm going to give an updated version of my Natty or Not. You know, somebody pointed out to me, because I remember this guy, actually, I'll get his name, and I might even have him on or just feed. I want to give him some credit before, because he was like, he hit me up, and after I talked about the Liver King, basically being like, you're an idiot if you don't think the Liver King is on steroids. I've changed my mind to some degree, and I'm ready to make essentially the devil's advocate case for the liver king being natural. Oh, I know. it's But, you know, I have to be honest here. I have to admit when I go, I can see a different perspective. I don't know either way, but after meeting him and seeing him in person, although it's not even the visual because seeing him in person, I'm like, you're actually more jacked than I thought you were. But I learned some things about him that I thought were interesting and will allow me to make 
the opposing case. And a guy I remember had messaged me. He's like, I work with the Liver King. Like, I, I, I sell him something. I forget what it was exactly, but he's like, I've been to his house. Like, I've had dinner with him. I them. remember that. You mentioned that on the show. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he hit me up. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember when he... <laughs> you know, I was like, fuck you. <laughs> Blocked. <laughs> um, no, but I want to give that guy credit because... Like he's he's he wasn't doing it in a dickish way, but like you have to go like yeah, man, I've changed my mind. And now, do I think we th- we were coming to that conclusion in exactly the same way? No, but he was sort of using an appeal to his character. He was like this guy, and at the time that didn't mean shit to me. I'm like, oh yeah, he's a good guy. I can't do steroids. Like right, but a similar uh, perspective that you have with Greg O'Gallagher. Right. Where you're like, this guy, he's just Correct. not Yeah, there guy. is an element yeah, of like, I look at Greg O'Gallagher and I'm like, he isn't the type of guy who would use steroids. I just know that for a fact, having met many people who do and who don't. And it's it has nothing to do with his statements on like, you could tell me you're natty. I don't give a shit. That's just one tiny little bit of information that I'll use to make my own determination. But it's everything else. It's how you think about other substances. It's how you, you know, just sort of, approach the world in general and the level of sort of like risk you take or the the you know your neuroticism with things you put in your body it's a whole you know complex mix of things and i've shifted in my perspective of the liver king after meeting and also know it's like look of course there's a personal bias when you meet somebody but um i think you guys also know that i just like i don't care as much but i think that also puts me in a position to like judge more clearly in a way because I see a lot of guys who've made their names off Natty or Nots, it's like there's a level of like vindictiveness that goes into it where it's like, you must be on steroids. And it's not every guy's like that, but I've noticed some people like, especially who don't have as nice of physiques as the guys that they're looking at, it's like, no, like it's it's a desire to dismiss somebody, which of course comes from a fragile ego with regards to uh you know, you're sort of feeling threatened by somebody else's achievement or nice physique and you're just, you're you're primed. You're primed to look at something and find a certain conclusion. And I'm not saying the case for the liver king being on steroids isn't good. I'm just, I, I basically was saying before, there's no opposite case and I'm ready to deliver that opposite case next week. So tune in, dude. I left y'all on a cliffhanger, dude. Harley out. <laughs>